You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Ask not what the country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Does anybody recognize that quote? Somebody tell me, who, who said that? John F. Kennedy. It was a great quote as a former president. Once again, his words were, Ask not what the country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I love that quote because um, as uh, those, those great words from our former president, it speaks so much about how sometimes we get in this mentality of give me, give me, give me. We want people, we want our country to serve us rather than how can I serve my country? And I love that premise. We live in an era of American life where many people are demanding, what can the country do for me? And if they don't get what they want, they complain. If they don't like what they see, they get angry. If they don't get their way, they protest. Yeah, there's been a lot of that lately. I didn't get my way, so I'm going to protest. Well, are we here because we want the country to serve us? Are we here because we want to serve our country? Some people, they don't understand the premise of serving. Serve me, serve me. And unfortunately, some of that mentality has even filled, uh, infiltrated the, our spiritual lives when it comes to the church. And there are times, there's been a few times that people have come and, and praise God for those of you. Maybe you're new to Fortress Church and you're checking us out and that's fine. But one of the things that I've learned and, and the challenges is how can we take our spiritual life to another level is sometimes we, because of this mentality of serve me, serve me, give me, give me, we have this mentality, what does your church have to offer me? How can your church serve me? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong, but don't you think it's a little bit more mature to say, how can I serve the church? Just like John F. Kennedy said, it's not about what can this country do for me, but what can I do for this country? Shouldn't a higher level of spiritual maturity tell us, you know what, I'm here because it's not about give me, give me, give me. It's about what can I do for the church? What can I do for God's kingdom rather than God, what can you do for me? And sometimes we need to be careful because I, I tell people, hey, if you're looking for a church, don't go to a church based on what they can give you. You go to church and base what you can give the church because this is God's entity. Jesus established the church. To another level lesson, a spiritually mature believer is a member of the church where God has called them to serve. That's what it's all about. This is based out of what Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty eight. Scripture says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus didn't come say, what do you have to offer me? No, what do I, what can I do to serve you? And as we look at the Ephesians 4 model of spiritual growth, we see so much of it is tied into the body of Christ, as we just read in, in verses 11, 12, and 13. I love this quote from Bill Hybels. He says, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Indeed, Ephesians 4 teaches us that the church, the body of Christ, as Paul says, is where ministry is to take place for the purpose of building up. 
can I tell you something? You and I, we were not created to grow our spiritual lives on our own. We can grow on our own to a certain level, but we need each other. We need the body of Christ. I have noticed, and uh, statistics have shown uh, it to be correct, that there is a slight decline in, in the commitment of Americans to the church and to Christianity over the recent years. Barna did a research back last year, and he gave us some um, interesting statistics based on recent polls. He says that 73% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. 73%. That's pretty good, right? But then he, he went further and he says, well, a lot of people say that they're Christians, but what's their level of commitment? And he says that 31% of Americans are practicing Christians. 31%. That, that's pretty much less than half of the Americans who say, I'm a Christian, are really not practicing Christians. So in other words, there's a lot of people who just are not as committed as probably they should be. So then he, then the question is, how, what kind of percentage of Americans pray to God? Anybody want to take a guess on that? Well, according to the poll, 75% of Americans pray to God. Hey, Amen. That, that's, that's decent, okay? How many of Americans attend church on a regular basis? Well, he says 35%. How many of Americans read the, the Bible on their own? He says, well... 34% read the Bible on their own. And that's a little sad because, uh, you know, that's not even, that's about one-third. I kind of believe that if we are a Christian nation, we should be reading the Bible on a daily basis. Amen. Uh, how many, what kind of percentage of Americans volunteer at their church? Anybody want to take a guess? That are, in other words, those who say, serving is a priority for me. Well, according to the poll, the correct answer is 18%. So now the percentages are going down. 18% of Americans volunteer at the church. How about this one? What percentage of Americans attend a small group? What percentage of Americans attend a small group? It, the, the correct answer is 16%. That's, uh, once again, I, I mean, that's a little bit sad because there's a lot of Christians who say, oh, if I go to church on a Sunday morning, that's pretty good. And I understand, I appreciate that all of us are here, but I think it's time for us to take our spiritual life to another level and go a little deeper, right? Now, only about 16% are involved in a small group. I encourage you, get involved in a small group. Oh, here's, a, here's, here's a good one. What percentage of Americans tithe and give to God? According to Barnum, 5%. Some of these statistics are a little bit sad, but, well, uh, where's the, the level of commitment here? And maybe the reason I go through this is because any of these things that we mention here on the screen uh, really help us in our spiritual growth. Praying, how many know that helps us in our spiritual growth? Attending church, yes, it does. Reading the Bible on your own, volunteering in your church, attending a small group, tithing, that, those are all reflections of your spiritual life. So as we talk about taking our spiritual life to another level, then uh, I want to encourage you to understand, you know, there's some steps I need to take in order to not be satisfied in a comfort zone. Now, why do these statistics look, look a little bit, um, why are they declining? 
The commitment to the church is down. The commitment to giving is down. The commitment to small groups is down. Why? And I can't tell you the reason why. And I'm not mad about this. My heart goes out to so many people, so many people who say I'm a Christian, but yet they're not reaching their potential for the Lord. They fall short because of the lack of effort. Maybe it's apathy. I don't know. Maybe it's a decline in our moral values. Maybe it's a busyness of life takes us out of of committing ourselves to where God wants us to be. Maybe it's just a, a lack of hunger for more of God. But the key is this. A lot of these things can be tied into the church. That's what we want to talk about today. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, and it means the called out ones. You have been called out of God. And actually the word called out ones came originally from the God's people out of um, Egypt, God called them out of Egypt, called them out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the church pretty much started in the Old Testament there, right? And so we need to understand how we are called out. Greg Groeschel, here's a great quote, and I want to base a lot of what I say off of this, but I love this quote. He says, we are not made to be spiritual consumers, God has called us to be spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. I love that quote because I kind of believe that we need to take our spiritual life from consumers to contributors. There's some people who are uh, who go to church just to be a consumer. Give me, give me, feed me, pastor. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there comes a time that we can say, okay, now I'm ready to take my spiritual life to another. Now I want to contribute. And by contributed, it could mean being involved in, in ministry. Contributing could mean uh, serving. Contributing could mean being a part of a small group. It could be giving. There's so many ways that each of us can contribute to the kingdom of God and to the local church because this is the central point of ministry. Why is that? We're going to get into that in just a minute. Suppose a great doctor discovers a cure for cancer. Once that cure is found, uh, there it is. But uh, he, he would probably want to spread the word around and tell as many people in the world, I've got a cure for cancer, right? So probably, I'm going to guess that he would call a number of his doctor colleagues and surgeons and pull them together and have some sort of meeting, convention, I don't know, and just say, hey, I've got a cure for cancer. Here it is. I'm going to need your help because I can't by myself take this message of the cure for cancer all around the world. I need your help. Could you help me spread the word around the world that now we have a cure for cancer Of course, those doctors and surgeons would take that message. We've got a cure for cancer. And they probably would tell other doctors and have their own convention and somehow, someway spread the word around the world. We've got a cure for cancer. Well, likewise, guess what? We have a cure for people's sin. How many know Jesus is the answer for the world today? Jesus is the answer. We've got a cure Because people and their spiritual lives are going down and down. We've got a cure. People are hungry for more of God. More of God. We've got a cure. People are uh, resulting. They're falling into a life of sin. We've got the answer. We've got a spiritual cure. So guess what we're doing today? 
I'm telling you, we've got the answer. His name is Jesus, right? So we gather together as a church. And now when we're done, we, see, we're not going to, our calling is not to stay in this room all the time, okay? Our calling is to come together and then when we leave this place, be the church wherever we are at. We've got a message to convey. We've got a message. We've got a cure. You don't have to live a, a defeated life. You have Jesus Christ. And today, I want to encourage every one of us to take the message of the gospel and take it into your heart and tell others about it. So, back to Ephesians 4. How, what happens when we take our commitment to the church to another level? We read that in the middle of this conversation that, that Paul is having, he says that the body of Christ, he talks about that. So what results when we use the body of Christ in our spiritual life? Four things that we see in Scripture here in Ephesians 4. First of all, the body of Christ is built up. The body of Christ is built up. It says right here, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, who's the body of Christ? You and I, the church, right, may be built up. So let me, let's stop right there. One of our purposes as a church is to build up each other, give someone a good word of encouragement. Can I tell you something? Every time I come to church, whether it's on, uh, for a, a connect group, whether it's a Sunday morning worship service, I leave here excited about what God has done because I am encouraged. When I turn on the news, I'm not always encouraged. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I get a little depressed because of all the things going on in this world. But when I come to, uh, to God's house, it's different. The news has one picture. The church has another picture of news. Here we get the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are encouraged, amen? We need that. We are built up in the name of Jesus. And this is one of the purposes of the church. We are built up. Praise God for that. Today, we are reaching out to individuals. Some of us are, are giving to Samaritan's Purse and Convoy of Hope and Red Cross. And, and we're helping. We've adopted two churches that we're, we're helping financially and going to work for them as well. You see, this is we're building up the body of Christ. This is what we're called to do, building up the body of Christ. In fact, I want to tell you, if you're free, you can join us. Some of us are going to go a week from tomorrow to Victoria. That's the 11th and 12th. We're going to have two days, Monday and Tuesday. And uh, we're just going to be of help to those who are in need, as uh, we've kind of uh, exemplified through our, our, our social media. Some of you are not on social media, so this is, this is our plan. It's a threefold plan to those who are hurting from Hurricane Harvey. Number one, pray. Number two, give. And number three, serve. How many know we can do all three? We can pray for them, we can give to them, and we can serve them. And we do all of that in the name of Jesus Christ. So you're welcome to join us for disaster relief. Uh, maybe we should have done it tomorrow. Tomorrow's called Labor Day, huh? I don't know, made sense, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to do it a week from tomorrow and Tuesday. If you want to join us, contact me if you want to be part of our team to go to Victoria on those two days, or even if it's just one of those two days, all right? What else does Ephesians 4 say about the body of Christ? So that the body of Christ may be united, number two, united. You see, one of the things I love about church is it brings us together. It brings us together. So it says right here, so that the body of Christ 
it says, may be built up until we all reach unity. So once again, we come together in unity. And when I read that, I can't help but think that we're a family. Now, you may not know everybody's name in this room. I don't know everybody's name in this room. But can I, I'm going to tell you a little secret. <clears throat> if you come up to somebody and shake their hand and you don't know their name, just say, hey, brother, okay? <laughs> hey, sister. <laughs> uh, see, and you know what? <clears throat> it means you probably don't know their name. But it really means that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're family, amen? Aren't you glad we have family in this place, amen? You have brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I looked up, according to Webster, what does the word family mean? And I love the definitions because I, I pulled out three definitions. Number one, a family is a basic social unit consisting of parents and their children considered as a group whether dwelling together or not. So it's a group. How many know we have uh, the same father, the Lord God Almighty, and we are brothers and sisters in the Lord? We may not live together, but we're still family. Do I hear an amen to that? Definition number two, a family is any group of persons closely related by blood as parents, children, uncles, aunts, and uncles. Are we blood related? There you go. You caught it. By whose blood? Jesus' blood. We are family based on the blood of Jesus because of what he did on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Definition number three for family, all those persons considered as descendants of a common ancestor. Hmm. Are we children of the most high God? Are you a son of the most high God or a daughter of the king? We have common ancestry. Amen. So we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. There we go. So this is what, uh, what God is. We are family. That would be a great song. Anyway, <clears throat> where did that come from? Okay. Number three from Ephesians 4. The body of Christ is what? When we go to another level, is blessed with knowledge. It says right here that we are built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, when we come together as a church, guess what? We get to know the Son of God better. Anybody here know Jesus, amen? We, every time we come together, it's all about knowing Jesus, right? And hopefully by the time you leave, every time you come here or to a connect group or a Bible study, whatever it is, by the time you leave, you're going to know Jesus a little bit better, right? And that's one of the goals of, uh, of the church. So praise God for we are blessed with knowledge. And fourth of all, the body of Christ is blessed with maturity because it says right here towards the end of this passage in verse 13 that we may become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the kingdom of God. The whole measure there. And that's so important of, of uh, the fullness of Christ. Can I tell you something? I don't want just a little bit of the Lord. I want the full measure. And you know what? That's how we become mature. How do we do that? Paul is saying, through the body of Christ, the church. You were not created to, to grow your spiritual life on your own. Got to be connected. That's why I love church membership. Some, church, some, some people are just don't understand the concept. Why do I have to become a member? Why do I have to go to the membership classes? Well, once again, we want you to be a part of what God is doing. That's why Pastor Dennis is teaching our membership classes on Wednesdays and Sundays right now. I love this quote from Tom Rainer. Let me just give you a highlight of it where he says, I am a church member. He says, I, I'm a church member. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members. Let me stop right there. Sometimes we don't want to become a member because, oh, I know how the people are. Yeah, That's right. None of us are perfect, right? 
That's right. But does that, should that stop us from being part of the family of God? He says, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. I am a church member. I am in this church to serve others and serve Christ. I am a church member. I will pray for my pastor every day. His work is never ending. His days are filled with constant demands for his time. He says, I am a church member. As a functioning member, I will give. I will serve. I will minister. I will evangelize. I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will seek to do that. Then he says, I am a church member. I will lead my family as well to be members of this church as well. We will pray together. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with the church because the church is from Christ himself. He said, I am a church member. This membership is a gift. I am a church member and I thank God that I am. And I believe that some of us need to say, you know what, I'm so glad I'm part of an entity that Christ Jesus established. Amen. So here at Fortress Church, we have a fourfold mission statement. And because of time, uh, I don't have time to share that whole message while they are in our Digging Deeper notes. For those of you who uh, do, your, your, some of you use our Digging Deeper for your connect groups. Some of you use Digging Deeper for your personal devotions right over there in the Connection Hub. You'll get a full discourse on the four portions of our mission statement here at Fortress Church. What are we all about? That's a portion of our membership class that we teach this. So why is this so important? In chapter 8 of our book, To Another Level, I included a great article, and let me just read a portion of it, by Sarah Piercy, and she says this, what you never know you miss by skipping Sunday morning. And I like this because pretty much what she, what she insinuates is that sometimes Sometimes we get pretty good at giving God excuses why we can't go to church on a particular Sunday, right? So she says this, I thought missing a Sunday morning service wasn't a big deal. I worked at Connections Church for eight years and would only miss a Sunday because I was away on vacation. Quite honestly, I didn't think missing a Sunday was a big deal. It's not a sin. It's not earth-shattering. No one notices or, or do they, right? Then I had a baby and went on maternity leave. I started to participate in our church community like most people do, and everything changed. Because when I miss a Sunday service, I miss way more than I ever thought. She says, when I skip Sunday morning, number one, I miss uninterrupted time to listen for God's wisdom. She says, when I'm in, in the service, I have uninterrupted time, time to focus on what God is teaching me and reflect on how God wants me to grow. My child is being cared for. My phone is on silent, and there are no chores waiting for me. I can focus. I can engage my heart and mind. There was one of the ladies after our 915 service. She says, I love that. It's so true because there's times I try to get my alone time with God, and, and I try to pull up my Bible and, and pull out this book, and there's so many distractions. I got to think of what, am I, what I have to do today. And he says, I, I'm just, I have a problem with it, but I love church today because it helps me focus. And she was exactly right. Number two, Sarah Piercy says this, I miss the value of worshiping God through music and with others. That's what happens when I skip on Sunday morning. She says there's something intangible that happens when we worship God out loud with hundreds of people who share faith in Jesus. 
Sundays are an irreplaceable opportunity to take a step back from the busy day today and directly praise the God that loves me and is incredibly worthy of my worship. It leads me to humble myself before God's majesty in a way that doesn't always happen when music is playing in the car or in the background while I do the dishes. Worshiping God through music on Sundays with hundreds of people grounds and fuels my faith. It inspires me to keep worshiping, keep believing, keep serving, and keep loving. And then number three, Sarah says this, when I miss a Sunday morning, I miss the power and movement of the church. She says, the church has a mission and a purpose, and every believer is part of it. Imagine this. Your life is a babbling brook. It twists and turns and bubbles and splashes. It's beautiful and, but has little strength. What happens when you cross paths with another brook and another and another? Something bigger starts to happen, something one babbling brook can't do on its own. Momentum happens. Then power happens. Then Niagara Falls happens. By the way, did you know that Niagara Falls generates enough energy to power almost 4 million homes? No babbling brook does that. Well, in the same way, hundreds of people moving in the same God-given direction is powerful. And it doesn't happen when we are disengaged. When I miss Sunday mornings, I miss how God is moving our church community to action. Plus, if I'm not there... How can I bring anyone with me so I can do everything I can to attend a Sunday morning service because when I miss a Sunday, I miss more than I ever thought. Interesting thoughts here because sometimes we make it way too easy for us to think of some good excuses, right? So let's go to Matthew 16. And here, as I draw to a close, I want to close with an interesting conversation that Jesus himself has with Simon Peter about the church. It says in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. In fact, let me, let me, if I go back a little bit, you may, starting with verse 13, you know what Jesus says to Simon, yeah, to the disciples. He says, who, who do you say that I am? Who, Jesus was asking, who do you say that I am? And then the disciples, well, some say you're, you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some great prophet. And then, and then Jesus said, no, but who do you say that I am? In other words, I'm not so much, what is the word on the street? And then what do you say that I am? So Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? And then Jesus says, oh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He says, because flesh has not revealed it to you. In other words, Peter, you're not that smart, but it was a heavenly father. It says, that's what he said, okay? Flesh has not revealed it to you, but my heavenly father has revealed it to you. He says, And then he gets, he says, Simon, let's pick up right here. Verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So who's building the church? Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I love this because right here, it tells us, gives us some premise about the power of the church. Do you realize how powerful the church is? Reminds me of an old song by Bill Gaither. He says, the church triumphant. He says, God has always had a people. Many a foolish conqueror have made the mistake of thinking that they forced out the church of Jesus Christ out of sight 
that he had stilled its voice and snuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. Now the purest water is a stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it's forced its way through solid rock. There have been charlatans like Simon the Magician who sought to barter in the open market that power that cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people, men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase. God has always had a people. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. But God has always had a people. God has always had a people. The church, it has been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned, but God has always had a people. And these followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevated sacred leaders and modern heretics. Yet, through it all, their march is on that powerful army of the meek, God's chosen people who cannot be bought, stifled, murdered, or steeled. And on through the ages they march. God's church, God's church triumphant. Let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice, for we've settled the question. We've made our choice. Let the anthems ring out, songs of victory swell, for the church triumphant is alive and well. Amen. I love that discourse from Bill Gaither there. You see, the reason, one of the many reasons why the church is so powerful is because it was established by Jesus himself. I didn't start the church. No, Jesus implemented the church. It was all his idea. He wanted the world to know about the gospel message. And how do we do that? Through the church. Through the church. This is why we are here today. Here's a to another level lesson. When you become an integral part of the church, your spiritual potential is multiplied. And I close by pointing out three things from this passage we just read in Matthew 16, verses 18 through 21. Three things right here. What do we gain when we do ministry the way Jesus intended it? Jesus builds the church. We just read that. To give us, number one, overcoming power. To give us overcoming power. What does Jesus say? I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Somebody tell me, isn't that power? The gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of Hades, which is death, hell. In other words, you know, you know what Jesus was pretty much saying? He says, guys, I may die pretty soon. In fact, I will die. I will give my life pretty soon. But even my death cannot stop the power of the church. Amen? Even my death cannot stop the power of what I'm calling the God's people to, to be a part of. Peter, your death is not going to stop the power of the church. Matthew, your death is not going to stop the power of the church. Judas, your death is probably going to speed up the process. But you know, you know what? <laughs> you have overcoming power that not even the gates of hell shall prevail again. How many, does anybody here want the power, that kind of power, amen? I want that kind of power. Well, what's Jesus saying? How do we get that? Through the church. Are you getting what he's saying here? When we connect with the church, that's when we have the power of God. Secondly, he says, I say, we have, Jesus builds a church to give us unlimited access. Number two, unlimited access. Because he goes on to say this, not only 
will you overcome the gates of, uh, of, of Hades? But he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, on my keychain right here, I have a certain amount of keys, and each of these keys gives me access to something. It's either access to my home, access to this church, access to my car. I only have three, three keys here, so that's about it, okay? But I have access. I guess I don't have access to a whole lot of physical things, but that's all right. Remember when we used to have, like, those big old rings with, like, 20, 30 keys, you know? Aren't you glad we don't have that many anymore, okay? But you know what this does? It gives me access, right? If, if something happens and I need to come into, I have keys to the church here. If I need to come at 2 in the morning, can I come? Yeah, because I have the key. I have access to these facilities, I have the keys give you access. Well, you know what Jesus is saying? Hey, guys, because of the church, when you connect with the church, you have access. You're the keys to the kingdom of God. That means at any time you can come to me, and what do we have access to? Maybe you need joy. Maybe for some reason the circumstances in your life has sucked the joy out of life. If that has happened, guess what? Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the keys to joy. Just come on in. You have access to it. Maybe some of you are going through a difficult time and you just need the peace of God. Jesus is saying, okay, I'm giving you access. You have the keys of the kingdom. Here are the keys. How do we get the keys? Through connecting with the church. Are you getting the picture of what Jesus is teaching Peter and the disciples? Because once again, sometimes we think, oh, I'm just going to live my Christian life on my own. I don't need the church. I don't need a small group. I don't need other people. Well, Jesus is saying, do you realize what I'm giving you because I am building the church, whatever that you need. I want to reach my potential. Jesus is saying, here's the keys. Come on in. I want to know my purpose in life. Here's the keys. Come on in. You'll find purpose in life. Then number three here in this discourse, Jesus builds a church to give us not just overcoming power, not just unlimited access, but spiritual authority. Because then he says, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is authority. They begin to say, you know what? <laughs> I have authority over the enemy. You can say to the enemy, okay, that's enough. You can stop right there. Kind of like last week we talked about how Jesus spoke to the storm and they just the storm just stopped because Jesus had authority. Guess what? You and I can have spiritual authority. That's enough, Satan. You cannot come into my home. That's enough, Satan. Enemy, you cannot ruin my marriage. You cannot go there because God has given me the spiritual authority to grab hold of that in the name of Jesus. And I am part of the church that Lord, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, established. Are you seeing what you get here? Jesus builds the church to give you overcoming power, to give you unlimited access, and to give you spiritual authority. What else do we need? What else do we need? And sometimes we think, ah, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be connected with the church. My friend, if you want to take your spiritual life to another level, you can't do it by yourself. We need each other. We need each other. Is there anybody here that wants to have those three things? Overcoming power, unlimited access to the kingdom of God, and spiritual authority. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you, Lord. Would you speak to us right now? Church, maybe you want to repeat after me as we prepare for a time in prayer. Maybe you want to just say this as we claim 
the power that there is through Jesus Christ and what Jesus established in the church. Here we go. Lord God Almighty, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I realize that I cannot reach my potential without connecting with the church. You have built. In your name, Lord Jesus, I receive your overcoming power that can defeat the gates of hell. I receive access into your kingdom and I take spiritual authority against my enemy. In your name, I am victorious. Amen. So be it. Can we give Jesus some praise this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Some of you have been going through some difficult times. And you know what? You came to the right place. Because number one, this is the church. And we want to lift you up. We want to pray in agreement with you. No matter what you've been going through, what situation life has thrown your way, I tell you right now, because you are here in church, because you are God's people, you have overcoming power. You have unlimited access to the kingdom of God. You have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. Is that you? Am I speaking about you? You're going through a difficult time and you just need somebody to embrace you, somebody to pray with you? Well, this is what the church is about. Would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going through a difficult time and I just just need the brothers and sisters in the Lord to be with me right now. Amen. Amen. It's all right. Lifting up your hands, that's fine. We're here to lift you up. We're here to cover you in the presence of God even right now. Others of you, you know what? i got to ask you this question. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Is he truly Lord of your life? Because if he's not, that's the first thing we got to settle the issue. Jesus Christ is offering you a great gift, the gift of eternal life, the gift of his grace, that no matter what you've done or where you've been, this is your opportunity to be his son, to be his daughter. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to turn my future over to him. It's the greatest decision we can make. Others of you, you just want to get alone with God. So for the next few minutes, whether you, you raised your hand because you're ready to make a commitment to God, you're invited to come on up here. Others of you, you raise your hand because you're going through an extremely difficult time in your life and you just need the brothers and sisters to embrace you and pray with you in agreement. That's why we're here. For the next few minutes, we're going to find a place of prayer. Prayer partners are here to my right, to my left. We would love the privilege of praying with you, praying over you in the name of Jesus. I encourage you, let's find a place of prayer. Let's talk to God. And let's thank him that we have overcoming power, that we have unlimited access to his kingdom, and that we have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. Would you come? Let's take some time to pray.